Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to our Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm here with Steve Prudian, and we are continuing our prayer for pastors. We apologize uh, for missing last week, but something came up, and I'm gonna, I want to bring this up right away at the beginning, and Steve, I didn't prep you for this. So I'm, I'm ready for anything. <laughs> <laughs> ready for anything. Well, you better be careful. You might be uh, might be eating those words. Anyways. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I just take orders. I know who's in charge. <laughs> I'm not in charge either. It's the big guy. Um, so some of you may know and some of you may not know that there was an accident a week ago Sunday um, at our fall festival, a three-person slingshot with a very small, very hard object, a black walnut, was in the pocket of this slingshot. And there was a young man who was pulling back on the slingshot and let go of it to shoot the, the walnut out into the water. Now, we've done this for a couple of years. We've had this thing there. Actually, last year, I myself shot about 40 walnuts out into the lake. Um, but it didn't let go. For whatever reason, the walnut didn't come out of the little pocket. slingshot pocket. pocket. And just total fluke. Comes back and hits the young man right in the face. And took his front two teeth out. And that's my 12-year-old. <laughs> um, and so last week we couldn't have our podcast, unfortunately, because... We had some emergency dent, emergency dental things that we are still taking care of as a family. And uh, so we appreciate the patience on that. But the last few weeks, we've been talking about prayer. And this happened at a church event right at the beginning. There was a whole lot of people that knew about it. There was a whole lot of people that, even before we found the tooth, had already started praying. There is a whole lot of people that were made aware of the accident throughout the course of the afternoon that started praying. Um, he was added to our church prayer list, and they started praying. And in the last week and a half, there have been, you know, probably 300 people praying for him. I will tell you, his teeth have not grown back. We've not seen a miracle in that way. But I have seen a miracle in a very different way. And something you may not actually think is a miracle until somebody says something about it. Because you would not expect a 12-year-old to come into school. Well, first of all, you, you wouldn't maybe expect a 12-year-old who just lost his front two teeth um, to want to FaceTime his best friend at the next, at his next earliest convenience, right? This happened on Sunday afternoon. On Monday morning, because there wasn't school, it was an in-service day, he wanted to FaceTime with his best friend and show him the damage. That's not every 12-year-old that thinks that way. The next day, he had a root canal. On the way home, because we had to go to a specialist, it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive home. On the drive home, he wants, he wants us to get home so that he can get on the bus with his teammates and go cheer on his teammates playing a football game. Now, he did just had some major stuff going on. We didn't think that was a wise choice, but he was... He wanted to go and be with his friends. He wanted to go and support his teammates, even though he couldn't play. He walks into school after some more dental things on Wednesday, you know, getting sized up for the flipper, you know, the temporary prosthetic thing. Um, comes into school, right to the principal, and they start joking about it making jokes about, you know, um, as he gets older, working with the little kids, uh, figuring out how to, like, sneeze and uh, blow this thing into his hand and whatever. And he's joking about it with his friends. 
Um, he's singing, all I wish, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. He's doing these things. You would never think that this happened 10 days ago, or in that case, even four days ago, or four hours prior. But his spirits have not depleted at all. He is taking this absolutely 100% in stride, and it's not hardly got him down at all. Um, there was some kids at school that started calling him Toothless. You know, that's the character, a uh, very beloved character from an animated show, How to Train Your Dragon, right? The the main character dragon is, they call him Toothless because he can make his teeth, you know, show up and then not, and they're there and they're gone. Um, and initially, you know, he was kind of bummed out by that. But that was Thursday that somebody first called him toothless and he was kind of hurt by that. Yesterday, he was talking about it almost like he's now just taken ownership of that. And this all just is really my long-winded way of, first of all, saying thank you so much for the prayers. Because prayer makes a difference. Whether you see the difference or not, prayer makes a difference. But I also just want to point out that we don't always get prayers answered the way we expect them to be answered. His teeth ended up being in worse shape than we initially thought. When we got to the dentist, we found out that it's not... It's broken off. It's not knocked out. We don't have any root left to the one tooth that we found. The other one that's still in his mouth is bro broken clean off. So he didn't lose one tooth. He lost two. But those roots seem to be fine. So root canal's done. The endontist said we're putting him to sleep, whatever. So those should still be fine if all else goes well for him to get implants when he's an adult. That is an answer to prayer. His spirits, he hasn't been down about this hardly a bit. And that is an answer to prayer. It hasn't slowed down this 12-year-old boy at all. He is still going full speed. Um, he was just yesterday or the day before playing football in the yard with his brothers and got into a fight with his older brother. Now he's got to wear a mouth guard when he does anything. But that's the only difference in that from what would have happened two weeks ago. The only difference is that when he got into a fight with his brother, he's wearing a mouth guard. So I do want to, and this kind of tails into what we, you and I were talking about beforehand. Are we seeing the answer to prayer the way we have? And, you know, I think we've both come to the same conclusion that we're not seeing prayers answered in the same way they were a generation ago. They're being answered almost in a more quiet manner. We're seeing more, um, more spiritual answer to prayer and less physical answer to prayer. The spectacular. We're seeing much less of the spectacular. And I could get philosophical on reasons why I think that might, might be the case, but... I want to point out, especially as we're talking about this prayer for pastors, because you're not asking for spectacular in this prayer for pastors. We're asking for the types of responses and results from God that we are currently seeing. We've talked about the, you know, two of the answers to prayer that we've seen for people we've been praying for. We've seen um, two people that we've been praying for um, one for the last six, eight months, one for about three years. We've seen both of them come to a really awesome faith. Um, but we haven't seen we haven't seen the physical restoration. We haven't seen the the phenomenal thing happen, but we've seen the spiritual thing happen. So 
I wanted to put that out there and say that because I do believe that the spirits of my son not being depleted in this has been an answer to prayer. And maybe we need to shift our perspective a little bit. And this pastor's prayer is the perfect place to start. I'd like to say this, because they came to my remembrance. Okay. And it has something to do with prayer. Yep. Okay. Man looks on the spectacular. Yes, we do. The outward appearance. Yep. But God looks upon the spiritual. God looks upon the heart. Have you had a heart change versus having something that is a spectacular today and forgotten tomorrow? Would you rather have the eternal or the spectacular? Right. Yep. That's that's the real question. Because those of you who know me know I'm missing half of a finger. And I do still, and probably always will, pray for that finger to be restored. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I don't know. That's up to God and how he's going to use it if it happens. I have a nickname for you. I'm sure you do. If it happens, I'm going to call you Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) Um. The thing is, God's not going to do the spectacular if it's not going to be for his glory. But he will still change the heart behind it because that can't not be for his glory. I'm going to use a double negative. That can't not be for his glory. Jesus used the spectacular. Oh, in, sure order, in order to validate who he was mm-hmm. and his authority. And that that is still very true throughout the world, especially in um, third world countries, the poorer nations, places where um, we do see that high level of demonic possession. We do still see the spectacular happening. Um, I've got a friend that does crusades and goes to places. Um, he's been to... Um, South America to Brazil. He's been to Tanzania. He's been to, oh, what is, I can't remember the other name of the African nation he was in. It doesn't really matter, right? He's over, he's doing these things in these places that are spiritually poor and financially poor. And he's seeing absolutely crazy things. You know, he's He's being involved in these spectacular healings and seeing these things happen and having God work through him to do some of it. And that's happening only be there because they are seeing that as the glory of God coming down. And that's what they need. That's how God is getting glory in those places. God is not going... is. I said I wasn't going to get philosophical about it. I guess you can't stop me. Um, I think that's why we're not seeing those things in America. We think we've forgotten our need for God. You wouldn't believe it if it did happen. Exactly. They didn't believe he was the son of God even after all of the things he did. Yep. So guess what? Right. And we're, And we are so distracted by all of the things that we have in front of us. We talked just half an hour ago, you know, before we hit the record button, we were talking about wilderness and there being a wilderness that is a arid desert with not a whole lot going on. And we talked about a wilderness that is basically a jungle that's overrun with stuff. And right now, you know, in, in Tanzania, in these places that, uh, that my buddy's going, He's in, he's in the wilderness that they had around Jerusalem. I mean, he's in that kind of a wilderness. It's dry. It's arid. It's spiritually depleted. There is nothing there. And so they are looking for something. They're looking for food. They're looking for water. They're looking for the bread of life. They're looking for 
the water of the spirit to come into their lives. Whereas in America, we live in the other kind of wilderness, our, our wilderness, we are overrun with spirituality in various different ways. We've got trees and grass and vines and overgrowth and undergrowth. And you can't, you can't find space. There's no space for the reality to grow. There's no space for that spiritual growth to happen unless we cut other things out. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to cut those other things out. I told you, I'm just going to go into it. Might as well do all of it. Might as well recap our whole conversation. Do you know what you just said? <laughs> what did I just said? You just, I just got a mind's eye picture of what you just said. Okay. I'd love okay. to hear it. The mind's eye picture of what you just said is the people in America today have taken the gift that God has given them. Let's say it's a tree. Yep. And rather than accepting it as what God gave them is good enough, they've taken that tree and they've reshaped it into a, an idol. And now they're worshiping the idol after they've actually massacred what God made. And literally, that's what's happened in a lot of people's lives. They've substituted what God has made and accepted something of less value after they have actually mangled it. Right. And so, therefore, which is more valuable? The tree that God made or what you're going to do with the tree that God made? Right. You know... And this is something that has been, I mean, we've seen the world going towards this for a long time. I mean, the, the, and, and by that, I mean, the developed nations of the world have been going towards this for a long time, right? The majority of Europe, the majority of North America, parts of South America, some parts of Africa, parts of Asia, um, the developed countries have been going towards this for a while. And we had somebody who was very prominent figure pointed out in an interesting way about 60 years ago, 55, 60 years ago, and nobody took him seriously. Actually, he was, um, he was harangued for it. He was, uh, the media blasted him for it hard, and he lost a lot of social credit for saying what he said. But what he said was 100% right. Now, why he said it, I don't know. But John Lennon told the world that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. That wasn't a lie. It was true. And he got blasted for it. And, I mean, socially blasted for it. I don't think that was the reason that he was assassinated, because I, I, don't, I don't want to be flip about that, because I think that was a tragedy for our culture for to lose him. Um, he didn't say that the Beatles were more important than Jesus. He said they were more popular than Jesus. And I think I can look back on that as being somebody outside of that generation and look back on that and go, he was absolutely right. And then ask the question, why? Why? Because the Beatles had more energy. They were more fun. They were they were in the culture. I mean, it's it's a it's the worldly versus the spiritual perspective, right? They had. There's no doubt in my mind. The Beatles had become an idol. They had the sound that people wanted to listen to. Right. You know, and maybe that's what he was trying to say. Maybe he was trying to say that music has become an idol. And what's and the we sound? Need, what and is we the need sound to get of back. Jesus? What is the sound of Jesus? Well, if we go back through Scripture, it's personal and it's quiet. You know, we talk about Elijah going up onto the mountaintop and listening for the voice of God, and it wasn't in the whirlwind, it wasn't in the storm, it wasn't in this, it wasn't in that. It was in the still, quiet time that he heard God. And the world's got a lot of noise. 
I'm sitting in my office. I can hear the semis on the road. I can hear the trucks. I can hear the tractor in the field. You know. So the world is listening to the noise, and they can't hear Jesus. Right. So, and... You want to talk about replacement theology? No, I don't want to well, talk about that, replacement theology. We've, we've got, a, we've got words in like this. That is like replacement theology. The noise has replaced the word. Right. But we need to get back to... We need to get back to God. And you and I have been talking about it now for two months we've been talking about prayer and we've said it multiple multiple episodes in a row when we get on our knees and we talk to god next week we're gonna have an on your knees time good (laughs) um when we get on our knees and we talk to god that's us talking to him but we gotta be in the bible because that's how he talks to us and wouldn't you know it, since the first time you and I talked about that, I have had three different pastors from different places say that exact thing to me. Isn't that interesting? And who gets credit for imparting that message? God gets All of the credit for imparting that message, because I will tell you, folks, when you hear something from three different places, whether it's pastoral or being in the supermarket or whatever, when you hear the same thing from three different sources and you don't go, God's trying to tell me something, you, I'm going to be blunt, you got your head in the sand. You are trying to ignore what God is telling you. If you are hearing it from three different places and you're not going to stop and go, God's trying to tell me something, you have your head in the sand. You are avoiding what God is trying to tell you. Or you can say it this way. What's that trumpet sound? (laughs) I thought maybe you were going to be nicer than I was being. Um, Not nicer, softer. Um... It ain't my idea. <laughs> I, know, I know it's not. I'm just repeating. I, I know it's not. I thought maybe you were gonna you were gonna make me into a you were gonna help me out and be a little bit softer in your approach, but I guess not. Um, just the same we're, time. We're gonna be blunt. I guess I guess we're being direct today. You know that you know that old expression, listen to the music? <laughs> I guess you're just not listening to the music. <laughs> All right, so we have been in this pastor's prayer, and we're going to finish this up today. Regardless of, regardless of how much further we get, I think we got to be done with this today. Are you going to read the prayer for those people who've never heard it? I will read the prayer for those people who have never heard it. And most people who haven't paid attention. <laughs> well, and it's... It's repetitive. I'm, I'm going to tell you it's a prayer that's worth repeating. That's right. It needs to be repeated. It needs to be repeated. So the prayer reads as this. Our Father and His Son, Jesus, our Savior, thank you for hearing my prayer. I ask that you equip and protect my pastor. Father, come alongside him with the infilling power of the Holy Spirit and inspiration. Show him your love, purpose, and vision. Give him wisdom and guidance to share your word while ministering to the people you send to him. Strengthen and encourage him for the work you have called and anointed him to do. Thank you for the safety, protection, and good health for him and his family. I thank you for encouraging him with your presence, peace, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. May he be enthusiastically faithful, loving, and kind. Help him to govern with unity and harmony. Give him the proper priorities. Strengthen him each and every day. Help him in the times of weariness. Give his family understanding and support for your ministry through him. Most of all, make him a man of prayer. Show him and the church your faithfulness in answering prayer. I don't know how I lost that. Infuse him with direction, zeal, and enthusiasm for the work entrusted to him and the church. 
Bring him helpers who are strong and mature in spirit to do the work. Provide him with trusted, reliable, and wise friends. Keep him and his family from loneliness and discouragement. Provide them with times of rest and renewal. Help me to pray daily for your work and your servant, my pastor. Show me how I can be of help to him, accomplishing the works of your hand and Holy Spirit. I thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And we've said before, and I will say it again, that is a powerful prayer. There is a lot to it. There is a lot in there. And we have been going through um, specific words that you highlighted in writing this, in transcribing it. Um, as we've talked about before, this was dictated through you by the Holy Spirit that it was written. And so we have been going through all of these highlighted words, and we have a number of them left. But like I said, I think this week will be our last week on this prayer. Um, but last, on our last one, two weeks ago, we ended with, most of all, make him a man of prayer. And I've actually been praying that for our church. I have been praying that the Holy Spirit will move in this place and make our church a church that prays and really prioritizes prayer over a lot of other things that we got going on. And it doesn't have to replace, but we do need to make prayer a higher priority. And Quite frankly, if it's not number one on the list, they're upside down anyways. You get nothing unless you ask for something. Right. And so that leads into that leads into this um, into this faithfulness which is our next word after prayer. Make him a man of prayer and show him the church your faithfulness in answering prayer. Well, God is faithful, and he does answer our prayers. And I told the story of my son at the beginning as a reminder of that faithfulness and that he answers in his own way. He answers the way we need it to be answered, not the way we think we want it to be answered. And so... That won't happen without prayer. If our church isn't praying, how can God answer the prayer? If the church isn't praying, you don't have God's direction. Right. And so we had previously been talking about these words from my perspective as a pastor and what they mean to me, but... I can feel a shift in the spirit in that as a church that prays, if we're praying this over our pastor as a church, this faithfulness and answering prayer, we're going to see it. As a whole church, we're going to see it. I'm going to see it. Rob's going to see it. The elders, the deacons, people who are here more than one Sunday in a row, everybody's going to be seeing it because as a church as a whole we're praying now if we only have five people praying this prayer we might see nothing there might be nothing to see the pastor who is prayed for mm -hmm. is the shepherd who knows where to lead his sheep absolutely and the pastor who is prayed for will lead his sheep beside still waters. And that same pastor knows that you need food as well as water. So he'll right. lead them to green pastures. It's funny, you need water to have green pastures. You do need water to have green pastures. And you said still water, right? Lead us to still water. There's a reason for that for a sheep. Right. And... 
sometimes in order to get to the still water, you have to go past the rough water. The valley of the shadow. What'll scare you? Lots of things. Lots of things are scary, scary in that valley. But that does lead right into the next, right into the next sentence. Infuse him with direction, zeal, and enthusiasm for the work that's entrusted to him. Well, can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without the power you get, of the Holy you'll Spirit. You just exhaust yourself. And you know we've said about prayer. We get on our knees to talk to God. We open the book to hear him talk, speak back to us. I've had that echoed to me. You know, you and I talked about it, but I've had three other people, pastors, that I know and respect, echo that back to me. It's called confirmation of the word. And in that confirmation of the word, but that's... If Rob's praying for direction, and he's hearing what he believes to be the Holy Spirit talking to him, but he's not hearing that same thing from other people through us praying for him and through us acting on the Holy Spirit to confirm that for him, he might not be sure that's the right direction to go. He picture. might not be confident in what he understands to be the word of the Holy Spirit, especially, especially if it's something that is going to bring about change and going to, you know, bring a change that might actually um, be perceived as hurtful by the church. If the church doesn't understand why the change is happening or what the reason for the change is, you know, if Rob is being told by the Holy Spirit, go do this, and Rob's looking at it going, there's going to be a lot of people that are mad about that. And he's not getting confirmation because the people aren't praying for him. That's going to be a really hard, lonely road to walk. Choose whom you will serve. Yes. And a pastor has to either choose the people or he has to choose the God he serves. The people need to do what Joshua and Aaron did for mm -hmm. Moses. Because when Moses became physically weak, Joshua and Aaron held him up in his weakness and shared their strength. And the reality to that lesson is, is we who are under our pastors need to hold them up, and therefore that is an application of a pastor's prayer. So when they are feeling weakness, the people that are surrounding them are sharing their strength. Yep. And you have to understand something. That scenario that you found in the Bible is actually at a time of war. It is. I was going to say that. If you're not familiar with exactly what Steve's talking about, this is um, on a mountain overlooking a battle. Mm -hmm. And it's, it goes, it's going both ways. It's going both ways. It's going back and forth. And God told Moses, in order to win the battle, you've got to hold your arms up. That's right. And Moses gets weak because he's old. I mean, and he's oh, a man. Even He's over 80. Well, let's be honest. If he was 30 years old and in tip-top physical shape, how long can you hold your arms up? It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. It is impossible. Right? God tells him to hold his arms up for the duration of this battle. And as long as he's holding his arms up, Israel's winning. Every time he gets weak and his arms go down, Israel begins to get overrun. And so Joshua and Aaron step in and hold Moses' arms up. And what do they represent? What does Joshua represent? He represents the strength of the physical army. Right. What does Aaron represent? The strength of the priesthood. The strength of God. Yep. And you need both. You do need both. You need the hands and the feet to do it, and you need the prayer to go behind it. You need the blessing of God in order for the work to succeed. So... 
That's called the power. That is the power. So as you are praying this prayer, all eight people who are going to listen to this podcast, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. You and I, Steve, we're going to start praying for this thing to blow up. Because we need more than eight people praying for Rob. And we're going to pray that the spirit of conviction falls upon the church. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And it won't and happen unless you ask for it. It will not. That is very true. So as you're praying this prayer for Rob or for me, seek direction from the Holy Spirit on what we might need confirmation in. What about if somebody's listening who goes to a different church and has a different pastor? Then we're talking about your pastor. Exactly. Then when I say, if you're praying for me, do this, then just insert your pastor's name wherever I say me, and it'll all be taken care of. You know, it's interesting that Jesus and God himself calls us by name. Yes, he does. So if we're going to pray for somebody, we should call them by name. Yes, we should. And this, in response to that, I do want to say, initially this prayer you wrote was very specific and had Rob and I named in it. Mm-hmm. And it had to be personal, otherwise it would have it, been applicable. It, it, had to, it had to be personal. And when you are praying for your pastor, where it says my pastor, you should be inserting the name of your pastor there. We have made it generic in order for it to be used by anybody in any church. And but, the part that talks about his family, if you know his family's names, you should insert the family's names there. Absolutely. Do you know why? Because we are supposed to be praying for people by name. We're actually calling to the attention of God, that, the children he yep. knows by name. Yep. And so, as you are praying this prayer for your pastor, whether it's me, whether it's Rob, whether it's uh, Pat over CLW, whether it's Joe at Latimer, whether it's Father Kevin up at St. Patrick's. Patrick's, or any of our pastors in town, in our county, in our state, in our country, in our world. Ask for guidance on how you can be a confirmation for them. I'd ask the question, when was the last time you prayed for your pastor? I don't want to ask that question. You can. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the other side of it, and I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be praying this prayer for your pastor. And when you do ask for direction on how you can be that confirmation voice for them, because I guarantee, I guarantee that pastor either is or will soon be facing a decision that is going to be a difficult one, because it's going to bring about change. Or he'll have to choose, he'll have to choose either contentedness or change and disruption. Sometimes that word change also means discipline. It does. Yes, it does. So in asking for that, also ask, you know, the next line is bring him helpers. Our word is helpers who are strong and mature in spirit to do the work. Pray to be that helper. Do you know we have needs right now? Should I tell people what our needs are right now? Yes. Okay. Right now, we have needs for people who will get out of their complacency, who are mature and been to church for a long time. Yep. Who can actually be able to help other people um, to know who Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ and his spirit is better, better. Really, all I'm asking for is for people to be friendly and come alongside other people who have no one. Right. And I'm also looking for, as you know, is we want to start... Um, a prayer partners ministry mm -hmm. on Sunday mornings for people who actually want to come requesting prayer. And we're looking for people who 
believe that God answers prayer. In his on both sides. On both sides. And is willing to, is willing to give a little bit of their time to mm -hmm. actually help someone else with a request or a need that they have. We're asking for somebody to lift up those people's arms, right. which is a prayer partner. Yes. Yeah, we need we need helpers who are strong and mature in spirit to do the work, but I don't need another plate of cookies. I There is more work to be done on the spiritual side of things than we can even fathom. Mm -hmm. There is no shortage of prayer that's needed in any facet of any church, any church body, any church goer, any parachurch organization, whether it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Youth for Christ, um, any any church or parachurch organization, there is not a shortage of prayer that is needed. There will never be a lack of need for prayer in, in God's creation. We need to commune with God. End of story. We need to commune with God. And he made us for what purpose? To worship him. To have fellowship with him. And how do you have fellowship with him? You talk to him. Right. But not only do you talk to him, you live with him. Right. Right. And we're to live our whole lives as a prayerful worship to God. And some of us, some of the people who are listening are called to a life of quiet prayer. You know, there's the idea of praying in the inner room. And I don't know if you ever saw the movie The War Room. I have. Okay. And if, listener, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Great, great movie. You know, this little old lady has this interior closet in her house where she has all of her prayers. And they're posted on the walls, they're written in journals, and that is her inner room. She calls it the war room. That's where she goes to war. And, you know, she's, she's getting up there in age and not able to do much else, but she is still praying for... That might be how you can do it. Maybe you're not able to come and weed the, weed the flower beds around the, around the church. Maybe you're not able to come in and help clean and wash the walls and the floors and the light fixtures out and whatever. It's, it's fall cleanup time, right? We're thinking about those things. Maybe you're not physically able to do those things. You are spiritually able to pray for the people who can do those things, not only to do them and do them well, but to step up and volunteer to do that. You know, we've got, we've got a handful of people that serve in our tech booth ministry, right? That's a pretty specific skill set. Not everybody has it. That's fine. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be praying for the people who have the skill set to also grow the heart to serve in that area. Same comes with the musical ministry, with children's ministry, with youth ministry, um, with discipleship, with mentoring, with leading small groups. You might be called to be one of those helpers. That's awesome. If you are, step forward. Love to have you. Need all that we can get. If you are not called to do that, you are called to pray for the people that are. There's a Billy Graham movie. It's old. But okay. what, it, what its emphasis is, is the power of prayer when the devil is at your door. Mm -hmm. And it's called the hiding place. Yep. A lot of people will watch that and they'll be watch it only for the entertainment. But if they watch it, watch it for specifically the power of prayer when the devil is at your door. Yep. I have not seen that one, but I will certainly add it to my list. Called The Hiding Place. Mm -hmm. Do you know about what year? Let me see. When, when were we promoting that? I was with the organization then. The hiding place was probably in about 1973, 74. 1973, 74. Mm -hmm. The hiding place. Right. Because I was only I with can... that organization for three years. And right. by 70, 
now was it by 75 I was already in seminary so it had to be before 75 right well the you can find anything on the internet right and if you're not sure about how to find this movie and how and where to watch it we might even have we might even have it in our library we might have it in our library but if you know they if the person listening goes to church in Decorah mm-hmm they're not going to come to our library. Um, there is actually um, an online, they call it the Internet Movie Database. It's imdb.com. And that has virtually every movie that has ever been made. Um, and it has, for many of them, most of them, how you can watch it. Even if you have to buy the DVD off of Amazon, it'll tell you that. So, great. We will we'll throw that in there. By the way, that's not a sponsor of our show. <laughs> We're not sponsored. Um, our next our next thing is provide him with trusted, reliable, and wise friends. And I'm going to go back to our original format on that because I can't tell you how important that is. Is wisdom in the counsel of many. But as a pastor, there are a whole lot of people that want to be in your circle. And this this does not apply to me nearly as greatly as it applies to Rob in our con- here in our context at our church, right? This is this is very very specific for lead pastor, not so much so for an associate pastor, but it it still holds true. But the criticality of it, there's a whole lot of people that want to be in Rob's circle, that want to be in that circle of influence. And not all of them are healthy members of that circle. And it's not, it's not reasonable to expect Rob to have that big of a circle of close friends. We have 200 people in church every week, knowing how often people come to church on an average We've got 300 people through our doors every month. And if all 300 people want to be on that inner circle, want to be in Rob's inner circle, he's going to be overloaded with just returning the text messages that he's getting every day, right? That's not reasonable to expect. He needs to have, excuse me, he needs to have a small inner circle five, six, seven, eight people at most. You know, if it's more than 10, it's too many. He needs to have that very small group. It's like King Arthur's Round Table. Yes. Much like that. Much like King Arthur's Round Table. Much like Jesus had 12 disciples. You know, that inner circle for him. They have his back. They They have have, his front. They have his sides. they've, They've got him covered. They are there to help out when. Um, doesn't matter. When, it, it, it doesn't. It Whatever. doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if these are the people that are on the front lines for him when he needs a babysitter, when he needs help getting caught up on yard work because the ministry is just required too much. These are the people that show up and will provide a surprise date night meal for him and Elaine so that they don't have to cook or clean or do any, you know, they, these are the people that are going to show up and be that inner circle, be that support for him. He needs to have those. We need to pray for those people to be in their lives. And we'll call those the hands and feet ministry. Yes. We need to pray for those people. We need to pray for them to have, to build that trust with him and his wife to be reliable 
to be people that they can count on. There's a whole lot of people that are counting on him. He needs people that he can count on too because he carries a lot of burden with our church. Every lead pastor does. They carry a heavy burden. They need to have people that they can share that burden with and that can help them take that off because we are supposed to share that burden with each other. Now, they don't need to know the details. These wise, wise friends that we're talking about, they're, Rob's not going to tell them the details. He's not telling them about all this stuff that you're he sharing can't, with he him. He can't. He can't. He can't. But they can help him to be better able to lay those burdens at the foot of the cross. He can help them to, even not knowing any of the details, they can pray for those things. They can pray for him and the burden that he carries to make it light. They can do all of the things for Rob that the disciples did for Jesus. If Rob needs somebody to go get a donkey for him, I, you know, it, it, analogy-wise, right? If he needs, you know, if his car's broken down, he needs somebody who he can call and say, my car broke down. I need help. I need to get to work, and I need to get a mechanic, or I need to get a part. I need somebody to help me fix it. He needs to be able to borrow a car. He's got to be able to borrow a car. He's got to be able to do those things, and he needs that small, small, small 8 to 10 person max inner circle. I know Jesus had 12. Jesus was God incarnate as a human being. I, I don't know if I don't know if any human being needs can handle 12. My experience with pastors, you know where I came from. Yes, I do. Okay, my experience with pastors is is that they're burdened for their people, but the burdens that the people put on their pastor, okay, in many cases is unrealistic expectations. Right. That no man can live up to or perform. Yes. And subsequently, the pastor, he carries the burden of those expectations. And in reality is, is, is the church should be trying to take as much of that off of the pastor's shoulders so he can spend more time learning from Jesus Christ. And if you go back into the Church of Acts, the very apostles had the same problem. Everybody wanted everything from them, and they came yep. to the conclusion that they were exhausted. Yes. And they needed to set their priorities right. And the priority was they needed to go back into fasting and prayer so they could lead the people because they needed to hear from God. Yes. And a pastor today needs to not be burdened with false expectations because he needs to be able to hear and follow God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that leads naturally into, actually, this is the last part of this prayer that I think we're going to talk about, just our time today, and I I think we've exhausted it. I think they get the point. I think they get the point. What are you going to do next? The, the last thing in this prayer that I want to talk about is that we ask God to provide our pastor with time of rest and renewal and just piggyback off of what you were just saying because it just leads so naturally into it. As a pastor, and this this is exponentially more necessary and more critical for Rob as lead pastor. You too. I'm I'm not going to say it's not necessary and critical for me. It is necessary and critical for the me. The focus on you is different than it is on him. Absolutely. He's carrying all the weight. He's, car he's carrying all the weight. You're just I carrying his briefcase. Right. Right. If, you know, if the if the church is in a load of a covered, you know, if, if you if you talk about a covered wagon, right, and that's the load that Rob is carrying, I've got a little red wagon walking right next mm -hmm. to him, right? right? I need I need help. It's just a different level of help. Um, and I need it, too. But Rob needs it so, so much more, this rest and renewal. And when you pray for Rob or your pastor, or any pastor, and you're praying for their rest and their renewal, I want you to think about them needing it every day, every week, 
every month, every year. And um, the Assemblies of God has actually has a recommendation that their pastor's sabbatical take an extended leave every three to five years for a time of rest and renewal. And it's not something that our denomination has, you know, really embraced. Um, it doesn't doesn't necessarily be need to be a denominational thing. It doesn't it, need to be. It a can be a local. Thing. It could be a local church thing. It could be a local church thing. But we should be praying for the sensitivity as a congregation to recognize when our pastor needs an extra week, an extra month, an extra three months for spiritual rest for spiritual rejuvenation and i don't know if i've brought it up here uh, before um, but i've brought it up in other conversations in regards to pastors needing rest and pastors needing renewal um, my wife read a book a couple years ago and related it to me um, about you know as a there's a portion of it about this pastor and he was experiencing severe burnout. And so he went on sabbatical. He just took a leave of absence. I'm going. I'm going to get physical rest, spiritual rest, rejuvenation. I'm just, I have to separate completely. And he did. And the church was supportive. And, you know, financially, he was able to go do this. And every time he started to feel pretty good about where he was and thinking it's time to go back, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not done yet. You need to keep resting. And he went through this rhythm of, okay, I think I'm ready to go. And Spirit says, no, you're not ready to go. But I'm, I, okay. And he'd wait and he'd rest longer. And he'd rest longer. And when all of it was said and done, and the Spirit finally said, okay, you're ready. You can go back to work. He did the math. And he was on sabbatical. That extended leave lasted the number of Sabbath days that he missed in the years leading up to it. So this rest and renewal, it is a paramount importance for our pastors and our ministry leaders, we need to have that. Everybody needs to have it. But and didn't our, our Je ministry and our... didn't Jesus need to go to a quiet place? Absolutely, he did. And what would that be classified as? That would be a rest and a renewal. That's exactly right. Yep. So we have we have to not misunderstand. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That doesn't mean we ignore it. That means it's not legalistic. It is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift that God gives us for rest, for renewal, for time spent with him. And our pastors need it. Oh boy, do our pastors need it. All of them. All of them. Remember, they're working on your Sabbath. We need to work for them to get theirs. And I'm going to end it there. I think that's... That's good. That's an exclamation point that Let's, we can put on this. Let me pray for you two pastors. Thank you very much. Holy Spirit, we just come unto you that you will lift us up before the throne of grace. And we just honor you, Lord Jesus, and we honor you, Father God. First, Father God, for giving us life and for you, Jesus, for giving us eternal life. We just pray now for the shepherds that you've given us with all of the powers and principalities that are trying to beat them down low. We pray, Lord, that you will empower them and you give them strength and you give them refreshing, that you protect their families, that you circle their families, Lord, with the protection that they need both physically and spiritually, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you can infuse these men, Lord, with things beyond their knowledge and beyond their training and their understanding, and they'll know that it's truly the power of you working in their lives. And we pray, Lord, that when people experience who they are in you, that they will experience Jesus Christ himself. We just thank you, Lord, that you are our example 
but you've also given us your spirit and the spirit of God to be able to do the work that you've called us to do in the few short years that you've given us life for. In your name we praise and thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer, and thank you for the pastor's prayer, and thank you for this conversation. This and week, next Steve. week we're going to get to the meat of the subject. Ooh. We're going to actually define what Jesus meant when the disciples taught him to ask him teach us to pray because a lot of people think that it's just the lord's prayer but they don't know the meaning i look forward to that you're welcome the meaning of the lord's prayer coming or the meaning of the ask that created the lord's prayer mm -hmm. coming next week 